0: heights to the depths of the sea
1: and jesus in his dialogue with her he is slowly unraveling to her who he is and he's slowly unraveling to her her need for salvation and there is no other way given you know, there's no other name given on, under heaven whereby we must be saved but by the name of jesus christ and salvation through christ is a gift isn't it
0: all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing,
1: God. All oh, powerful, untamable. All struck with fall to our knees as we humble.
0: Welcome, everyone. In the ancient times, they called spring water living water because it seemed alive as it bubbled up from the ground. At first glance, it might seem that Jesus told this lady about a nearby active spring. But Jesus made a play on words with the phrase living water because he meant the spiritual water that quenches spiritual thirst and gives life. Jesus drew the woman into conversation, making her curious about several things. He made her curious about the things of God, such as who Jesus is, and he led her into the truth that would give her eternal life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in chapter 4 of the Gospel
1: of John. All right, good morning. If you could open your Bibles, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Hoping to get through verse 42 today. Um, we'll see how that goes. There's a lot in here and certainly don't want to um, rush through these things. If you remember, uh, Jesus, he heard that the, um, that the Pharisees had had heard that the, the, the Pharisees, Jesus heard that the Pharisees had, um, actually let me just read it. <laughs> Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And we looked at this briefly uh, last week. But today we're going to spend a little more time on it because he had to go through Samaria because there was a woman there and actually an entire village that really needed to know the truth of Jesus Christ. They had been engaged in pagan idolatry, uh, and it had been going on for uh, a few hundred years, actually. And the Lord knew in his heart that there was uh, a group of people there. They were the castoffs. Nobody wanted anything to do with them, but Jesus was not afraid to go to Samaria. And if you remember, we looked at a map last week of how, if you were to look at the northern part of Israel, that's the Galilee region, and then in the, in the center is Samaria, and then Judea in the south. And Jesus was in Judea, and he had to go up to Galilee. And what the Jews would often do is go off to the side into an area uh, on the east side of the Jordan called Perea, and they would bypass Samaria altogether. And they did that because they were bigoted, they were prejudiced, they were racist. <laughs> and But Jesus is unaffected by any of those things. He would go straight up through Samaria, unlike all the other Jews, because a person to him is a person whom he has died for, and that he would ultimately die for. And so nobody is off-limits for him. And I think that's a good lesson for us. No one is off-limits. God does not look on the outward appearance like you and I do sometimes. Hopefully less as we get older in the Lord. But we tend to look on the outward appearance. God looks on the inside. And so he knew there was people up there in Samaria that really were lost in their sin. And so Jesus goes and it says he must needs, I like how the King James says it, he must needs go through Samaria. He had to because he knew what was there. And you recall what happened that he meets a woman at the well there near Jacob's well in the town of Sychar. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you and and he asked he says give me a drink of water because it was about noon time and he had been traveling uh to uh, to that point and so it was in the hottest part of the day and there he is by the well and he asks the lady to come out and give him something to drink and and she says then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And notice, we're just going to read through uh, through verse 26 here. Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. if you know some people have said there's there's no place in the Bible where Jesus said that he was God, there's one of them because <laughs> the Jews knew that the Messiah would be equal with God the Father, thus God himself, right, And so this is one of those passages I would encourage you to underline it, and there are many others, especially in the Gospel of John, um, that are there. But we, I named the message this morning the gift of God because when Jesus comes to this woman, she, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, And Jesus, in his dialogue with her, he is slowly unraveling to her who he is. And he's slowly unraveling to her her need for salvation. And there is no other way, given. there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. And salvation through Christ is a gift, isn't it? It's the greatest gift that I've ever received. It's the greatest gift because it's not a temporary gift. Although it is temporary in the sense, I I have this gift right now on this earth while I'm here on this planet. And all of you too for a roughly 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years if you're really drinking your juices and eating your vegetables. Even there, there's no guarantee. But it's an eternal gift. Remember that. There's a a difference between something that is temporary, a temporary gift, and an eternal gift. And the eternal gift that Jesus gives us is salvation through faith in him, what he did on the cross, his blood on the cross. And a gift is not a gift if it is something that is earned. You know the difference between a gift and something that is earned, right? Right? Something that is earned is called a wage. We all earn wages. When we go to work, we earn a wage. It's something that we do. We put in the number of hours. We, we get a certain amount every hour. Or maybe you get a salary, whatever it is. But we get a wage for something that we do. We work and then we receive. And the Bible says that there is a wage that we receive spiritually. In fact, it's one that's not a great, it's not a great um, passage. But it's full of truth. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we get when we sin. We get death. That's what I earn. Because that's what a wage gets me. I earn death based on sinning. But notice, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. A big difference. The things that I earn... But salvation through Jesus is a gift. And a gift is something, as I said, is, that is given. And there are a couple of scriptures that came to mind. The first one is John 3.16, one that we know very well. For God so loved the world, the people in the world. He so loved the world, notice, that he gave his only begotten son. That's a gift. He gave him because that's the best thing that he could have given. I mean, think about what God could have given us. He said, you know, I could have given you the world, I'd given you everything, you wouldn't have to work, you, wouldn't, you know, you'd just kind of wake up and have breakfast and enjoy the sunshine and never work and just enjoy. But he gave us something even more important than something that is temporary. He gave us an eternal gift that he gave, God the Father gave a gift to you and I. A gift that the world needs to know. The world needs to receive that gift. And they can't earn it. We could never earn it. Has anybody earned it? Raise your hand if you got the guts. <laughs> to say you've earned salvation. No, we've, none of us have earned it. You know, it didn't say, you know, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's speaking of eternity, isn't it? Because he's speaking of Perishing versus everlasting life. Perishing for eternity and living in, a, um, being in, in condemnation for eternity or living in everlasting life. There's only two containers for us. And I pray that all of us have chosen Christ. Because you'll never see death. You'll never see eternal damnation. Eternal damnation. Not just a moment of time. It's eternal. And yes, that is part of the teeth Of the gospel that we must never leave out. Notice that Jesus didn't say in that in John chapter 3.16, He didn't say, For God so loved the world that he put you to work to earn salvation. He didn't say that. He gave. You simply had to receive. I had to receive that truth. And Isaiah 9, verse 6 is another wonderful verse that we all know very well. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The son, all the way back 700 years in Isaiah, before Jesus was even born, 700 years before his incarnation, the gift was already in the heart of God to give. And I'm so glad that I received that gift. And you know, I shunned that gift for many years. Did you shun that gift? People sharing with you, trying to engage you and get you to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you said, well, I'll put that off until I'm retired. I'll wait until I move to Florida and I'm in my golf cart. And and then I'll give give my heart to the Lord. No, you won't. We can say all those things. I'm going to wait until I earn all my money and my kids are all married and they've all gone to school. And then I'll give my heart to Christ. No, you won't. If you won't do it now, you'll never, or or, I hope you'll do it, but chances are, if you you won't give your heart to Christ and you have some excuse, there will always be excuses. But folks, we're talking eternity here, and and the gift that God gives is eternal life, and that's what he gave to this woman. He gave her eternal life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. Unmerited favor, through God's unmerited favor, a favor that we could not earn, hence the term grace is unmerited favor. You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, notice it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast, because we would, wouldn't we? We would. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. There's a passage here. We're going to look at verse 15 through twenty one <clears throat> excuse me. Romans chapter five. This is kind of a wordy passage, but Paul is speaking to the Romans and giving the, the, the difference between um, what happened in Adam and what happened in Christ. And, and he's always juxtaposing those two as we go through these verses. Notice in verse 15, he says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offenses, man's offense, many died, speaking of when Adam sinned in the garden, Adam and Eve, that offense through, through them, many died. Much more than the grace of God and the gift of, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. We are justified in Jesus Christ when we give our heart to him, when we trust in his blood on the cross. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as, though, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Obviously, Paul is, remember, he's, he's um, comparing Adam and he's comparing Jesus For as by one, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given to us. And salvation was free to us. It didn't cost us anything, but it cost Jesus everything. And do you know that he will bear the scars in his body for eternity, for what he did on the cross? In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, John, seeing Jesus in his glorified state, he looked and he says, Behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. And he's speaking of Jesus because this one, this one, Jesus in his glorified state was, he he was, they could see that he had wounds in him. His wounds will remain for eternity as a reminder to us of the great price that was paid. God Almighty paid the price for you and me. I don't know about you, but that's the best insurance policy. I like to call Allstate and say, how much would you charge for that? (laughs) Call State Farm and compare their quote. i got an insurance policy that is beyond anything you can possibly imagine. And folks, you and I have that insurance policy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, Peter said, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But notice this precious one, this, this one, this lamb. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This Jesus is the one and also in 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 4 he's a living stone indeed rejected by men but chosen by God and precious this is who it is that has saved us and the salvation of a person of one person is of great value to the lord you know sometimes i think i forget that you know the value of a soul it's immeasurable And so often I can get so comfortable knowing that I'm born again, knowing that I'm going to heaven. Sometimes I can get so lax in that and comfortable in that that I forget that there are other people around that are dying in their sin. And see, folks, you and I live in a time right now where Jesus said the harvest is white. There are so many people out there and they're starting to come out of the woodwork now. And I'm so glad because last year, was it took a toll in so many areas, so many ways, so many facets of of things that people went through. And it is now that we ought to be vocal. It's now that we ought to be sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. Because that love is a love they'll never, ever have to worry about leaving them. God loves people. He doesn't care the color of your skin. He doesn't care whether you're rich or poor. He doesn't care anything. There is nothing that he wouldn't do. In fact, he did everything to bring you to him. He couldn't have done anything more than give you his son. There's nothing more. I mean, what more could God do? I mean, if if he was willing to die in our place, almighty God willing to die, what else is there that he would say, I I wish I could give you something else? There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing else he could give but the gift of himself. And let that jostle you a little bit today. Let that shake your trees a little bit because we need to be reminded of that because he loves people. He loves you. He loves you. Do you know you're loved by God? He loves you so much. In fact, he loves you so much, he wants you to share that love with others. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's never easy. We're going to talk about why it's not easy here shortly. But notice at the end of verse 10, he says, that he, if, if you would have asked, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said, you give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This living water is synonymous to the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer Yes, we're, re- we're regenerate. There are those who are unregenerate, meaning they're not born again. But if you've received Christ, you are regenerate. And the Spirit of God is rejuvenating you. He's regenerating you inside, changing you from the inside out, not from the outside in. And I love this idea of living water, because when you think of water, what does water do? Among many things, it cleanses, it purifies, it heals, it refreshes us. And it's absolutely necessary for life. Without water, nobody would live. It's absolutely necessary, isn't it? And the Spirit of God does all of that and much more. Without Him, we would be hopeless. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And I've tried for many years to disprove that fact. And I haven't been able to. I can't, do a, I can't do anything of spiritual significance, nothing eternal, nothing that really would last for eternity without him. In fact, everything, anything that I do that's going to last and be of any value is what he does through me and what he does through you. Everything else is going to go away. But this phrase, living water, occurs three times in the entire Bible. Here in verse 10, and then in verse 11, and also in John chapter 7, verse 38. You recall in John chapter 7 that Jesus says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, and this feast that he's referring to is the Feast of Tabernacles, it says that Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This Feast of Tabernacles, as you recall, is a seven-day feast for the Jews. It commemorated God's faithfulness in getting the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the desert for forty years, and then into the Promised Land. That journey of forty years, and how God provided for them for their sustenance and their covering. They celebrate that on the, the day of, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And notice that it says the last great day of the feast. So this is the seventh day of the feast. Now before we go any further, you have to understand a ritual that the Jews would do during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles.
0: That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John.